Hello there, and welcome to KDL's Stump the Librarian podcast, where your friendly neighborhood librarians put their research skills to the test to answer questions from you, the listener, or your fourth grade teacher, your auntie, or your pet gerbil. I'm Jill, and I'm here with Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, Jill. So we have some great questions from our listeners today, but before we get into those, do you have a favorite place you've traveled to? I do. Do I traveled with my family to Hershey, Pennsylvania several years ago, and that was probably the most fun adventure we've had together. Have you ever been to Hershey, Pennsylvania? I haven't. Oh. Did, is there um, a, an amusement park there? Yeah, there's an amusement park. We went on a tour. We made our own chocolate bars where we got to go through and pick what we wanted in a chocolate bar and then... We made a little wrapper for the outside, and we got to eat them. It was fantastic, and the whole place does smell like chocolate, like wherever you go. So that sounds wonderful. It was great, and this was many years ago, and my kids still talk about it. Like, I don't even know how they remember going there because it's been so long, but we all want to make that trip again one day. How about about you? That sounds really lovely. (laughs) That's great. Um... We've been to a lot of fun places, and I think my favorite place to travel and that I have traveled to many times um, is New York City. Oh, yeah. It's just so different from uh, where I live. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, you know, Wyoming, which is much quieter than New York City. So busy there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, we have taken the kids there, which. Uh, they were kind of little, so that did stress me out a little bit. I can imagine. Yeah. Now I think it would be less stressful, um, but I just really enjoy it. I like being there in the busyness. I, yeah. I don't think I'd want to live there in the busyness, mm-hmm. but I like just seeing all the activity and people working and the tall buildings and all of that. So that's my favorite place to travel to. Sounds really exciting. It I haven't been there is. before, but it sounds exciting. Oh, it's so exciting, and there's lots of good food, mm-hmm. which that's and, an important part. And shows. Oh, I love a show. <sighs> Me too. <laughs> that's that's my favorite thing to do oh. in the city is go to a show. But fantastic. Yeah. Well, I have a question from our listener, Melissa. Melissa from the Plainfield Township branch asked us, with Lunar New Year coming up in a couple of weeks, do you know all the countries and cultures that celebrate in different ways? Wow, that's a great question. I know. Um, So the person, Melissa, who sent this in, challenged us to answer without doing any research. And my answer before research was, I think think it's a day China celebrates the new year based on the lunar calendar and there's fireworks. Mm. So I really didn't know very much about. I think you needed to do some research on that. I did. I did. (laughs) So I did some research and I'm glad you asked me this question, Melissa, because it it gave me a chance to do that. And I really enjoy diving into um, other cultures and finding out about different celebrations that, that people have. I'm always interested in that. So my basic understanding wasn't wrong, really, but it's not enough. (laughs) Right, right. So the Lunar New Year is based on the lunar calendar. I I would not have been able to tell you what a lunar calendar was, though, before I did my research. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a way to track days and months in a year, and it probably began with ancient people, the Sumerians. Um, So that was a really long time ago this calendar started. They started each new month when they could see the new moon in the sky. Okay. And then the month would last until the next new moon. 
And so that is how a lunar calendar worked. It works a little bit different now. I'm not going to get into it because um, it's it's too many days. And so you have to have, like we have a leap year, you have to add that kind of thing um, to have a lunar calendar. But um, that's how it works. So people in China used a variety of this calendar with the, with the leap years included part, um, beginning each new month with the new moon officially as a, a country. They used that until the year 1912, which is pretty modern, really, um, when they switched over to the Western calendar that we used in the United States. So I did not look up every country in the world to find out, but my guess is that countries probably officially use the same calendar for business purposes. That makes sense. Yeah. So that that made sense to me is why they would do that. But culturally, they still use the lunar calendar. So a lot of families will still use the lunar calendar in their homes. The lunar calendar is not only used in Chinese culture, it's also used in other um, Asian cultures, but also in in Jewish culture and also in Islamic culture, they use a lunar calendar. Interesting. Yeah. And they look a little different because they do the leap year thing a little bit differently. Um, But that part isn't isn't the most important part because we're talking about the lunar new year. Right. Yeah. So lunar new year starts on the new moon that arrives sometime between January 21st and February 20th. So it changes every year where the moon falls. And it is a 15-day celebration. Fun! Yeah, so it's not just one day. It's a 15-day celebration. And in China, it's actually called the Spring Festival. Okay. Yeah, so it starts with the first day is the Lunar New Year. Or in China, it could also be called the Chinese New Year. And, mm-hmm. um, and then there's 15-day celebration. Um, it's a really important time where everyone goes home. Lots of businesses are closed. School is closed. And For the whole time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's like Christmas break or, sure. you know, uh, well, spring break, I guess, the spring yeah. festival. So it's a really important family time. Um. There are plenty of other countries that celebrate Lunar New Year. Um, Vietnam, South Korea, Malaysia, Mongolia are just a few. Um, But I'm really going to talk about the cultural traditions in China today. Um, I think all of those countries would have kind of their own take on these cultural traditions, but we're just going to focus on China today for the sake of time. Sure. (laughs) So before the New Year... Families clean their homes, they get new clothing, they get a new haircut, they get all ready, they prepare for the celebration. And then that first day, like I said, is the New Year's Day. Um, Your celebration is to usher out the old year and bring in the new year with luck. So you do that, you wear red clothing, Mm -hmm. um, you have fireworks, you have red decorations and lanterns, and uh, you might have, like, you know how we have the Thanksgiving Day Parade mm-hmm. in New York City. That's like a huge event and oh, it's yeah. televised. But then around the country, there might be smaller like parades or like a turkey trot or something like sure. that. They have that in China too. So they have a really big five-hour long televised program. Wow. I know. They have like acrobats and stilts walkers and they have folk art and drum performances and all those things. So you might Stay at home with your family and watch that. Or you might go to like your own town's local... Neighborhood celebration. Exactly. Yep. So it's like a huge party. And then there's also special food um, like rice balls or oranges or dumplings. It's it's a big party and it's really important. So at the end of the 15 days, um, there is a 
another festival. So during the 15 days, there are different things that, um, and these things are really specific to, to cultures, like different things that you might do during that time, like different gifts that you might give or different things that you might do to prepare for the new year. But that end of the 15 days, there's a second festival and it's known as the Lantern Festival. Oh. And at that time, there's like mini paper lanterns. I'm, I'm linking a video in the show notes from Scholastic, and it's specifically for um, like school age kids. And it shows you the things that I'm going to talk about now, um, which is helpful because this is, it's very neat to see and it's hard to describe and I'm going to do my best. But during the Lantern Festival, there will be like rows of lanterns draped across um, across the city streets, like tied from building to building that you're walking under. And they're all lit. And they're, they're supposed to be guiding you into like the new year um, and bringing you joy and luck. Um, there is also often parades at the Lantern Festival. And that sometimes you'll see like a dragon that's carried by maybe 15 or 20 people. So it's really long and it's high above their heads and they'll hold it on a pole. And that is a very neat thing to see. Um, so definitely watch that, that video because you'll see that dragon carried by so many people in the parade um, underneath those rows of, of lanterns. So the Lunar New Year is a time of reunion. That's what it really is. It's a time of reunion for families, for friends, and it's a time where families will reflect on their past year and then they celebrate the joy of the new year. It's also a time of gift giving, um, but unlike um, some other holidays that we think about, like you wrap a present, you actually give money and you give it in an envelope, usually a red envelope for good luck. Yeah. And then you get that money and it's, it's your luck money that you can spend however you want. Fun. I know. <laughs> so it's really, um, it's an important thing. And you can see that um, it doesn't just happen in China, even though I was talking specifically about China today. Um, some of the information that I found was from a Chinese American cultural center in Philadelphia, like how they celebrate Chinese New Year or uh, Lunar New Year here in the United States. And you'll see that there are celebrations of the Lunar New Year all over the United States as well, where there's pockets of communities of people who celebrate Lunar New Year. Right. So that sounds amazing. It's so cool. It's really neat to learn about how how people celebrate. Right. It's an important part of culture, celebration. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. I learned a lot. Do you well, have a fact of the day for us? I, I do have <laughs> a fact of the, day, of the day for us today. And today's fact of the day comes from a National Geographic Kids book that I found on our shelf here at the Amy Van Andel Library. Um, it's called How to Speak Animal. It's a guide to learning how animals communicate. And it was new in September, so that's kind of exciting. And it tells how all different animals communicate with each other and with the rest of the world. So my fun fact is about ducks. Ducks squeak, whistle, coo, quack, and croak. And they learn how to do this when they are still unhatched ducklings. In the egg, two days before ducklings are born, they begin to vocalize or make sounds. In the egg. Can you imagine? That is so weird. <laughs> Your egg making noises. Right. They are responding to their mother who has been making calling noises as she sits on her eggs. The unhatched ducklings can hear their brothers and sisters chirping too, and this helps them hatch around the same time. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is so cool. 
I do have questions about croaking, though. I know. Well, that's a weird noise. That is a weird noise. I don't know if I've ever heard a duck croak before. No. Mostly it's just been quacking. Yeah. And hissing. I thought they kind of like hiss. Maybe that's... Geese. Canada geese? Yeah, they and maybe, definitely hiss. Okay, maybe, well, maybe I'm getting them confused. Maybe ducks but. do hiss too, but I don't know. But in the egg is so interesting. I, can, I just, like, I can picture it in my mind, like a little egg oh. sitting on the ground, like, quacking. <laughs> so cute. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have a question that also relates to communication, and it is from Joseph, who is 10 years old and lives in Ada. And Joseph's question was, who invented sign language? Do you know any sign language, Jill? Um, so I know just a tiny bit for story time. Sure. I know how to say goodbye. Uh-huh. And I know how to say friends. Oh, that's a good one. I do that really one at my story time, too. <laughs> well, sign language has been around as long as there have been people. Because people can communicate in so many different ways, and if they don't understand one another, they might use signs as a way to talk to each other. So the Plains Indians had their own sign language, and it's still used today, called PISL, so Plains Indian Sign Language. And I have also linked a video um, showing the same words signed by someone in using PISL and in ASL. So you can see how signs are similar and how they're different. Mm. Um, even different tribes utilize different sign languages and members of the same tribe in different parts of the country use different signs as well. So it's really fascinating how that how sign language varies from place to place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place called Martha's Vineyard on the east coast of the United States And there's a town on Martha's Vineyard called Chilmark. And in the late 1600s, a person named Jonathan Lambert settled there with his family, and he and his children were deaf. Now, at this time, people rarely left this little isolated community, and deafness became a hereditary trait, to the point in which one in 25 people living in this community were deaf, a quarter of the people. Wow. So they communicated in what's known as Martha's Vineyard Sign Language. They had their own sign language that they used. And they used gestures, and they used some speech as well. Uh, I read a historical fiction novel about this community. It was called Show Me a Sign by Anne Claire Lazat, and I would highly recommend it if you like historical fiction. The author who wrote it is deaf and talks a lot about the prejudice of the time, how People outside this community didn't understand their language and just assumed that they were not intelligent people, but they were communicating and living and thriving on this island together using their own language. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But as far as sign language here in America, um, there was a person named Thomas Gallaudet who was a hearing person, but he founded the first school for the deaf in Hartford, Connecticut in 1817. Oh, wow. With the help of a person named Laurent Clerc, who was a deaf teacher from Paris. Now, there was already a school in France. So actually, our American Sign Language is based on French Sign Language. Okay. Every country has its own sign language. So people learn different signs for different languages. And some of the children from Martha's Vineyard, from that, um, that town, Chilmark, even attended Gallaudet's school. Oh. 
So, and they spoke their own language. Exactly. So they all learned from one another. They used signs to communicate with each other, but they may be different mm-hmm. from the signs they were used to. Now, the first university for the deaf was signed into establishment by President Lincoln in 1864. Wow. And it was called Gallaudet University, and it's in Washington, D.C. And all classes when the university started, and still today, are taught in American Sign Language. Oh, wow. All the classes use American Sign Language. I think that's fascinating. That's very cool. So when people sign in American Sign Language, they use a lot of facial expressions. Eyebrows and how fast they do signs and how sharp they do signs really helps communicate what they're saying. So if you sign the word grumpy... Your face kind of makes a mad face. So that's one that we do in story time, too. I like to teach that sign because it's kind of fun to make a grumpy face. It but is, yeah. it helps communicate what you're saying. If you're signing happy, you're probably smiling. And sometimes there just isn't a sign for a word that you'd like to communicate, like if it's a specific place or if it's somebody's name. So then we use finger spelling in American Sign Language, too. So every letter has a sign. Mm-hmm. So you might fingerspell somebody's name or each oh, each letter in um, American Sign Language um, spells a word and then people yep. who know them all can fingerspell really fast. So like any new language, it it's hard to learn at first and you might go slowly. So if you're trying to communicate some with someone who's signed really fast, you might Sign the word for slow down, please, or I'm learning. Um, American Sign Language is even offered as a language learning option at some high schools. Oh, cool. Yeah, and Ken District Library even has a database online called ASL Defined Database. And then you can take lessons, you can do practice, you can see signs for lots and lots and lots of different words. So Mm -hmm. I highly recommend if you're interested, um, checking out that database. I just remembered that I learned that the alphabet in Girl Scouts. Oh, okay. Because the founder of Girl Scouts uh, was deaf later in life. Do you remember the name of the person who founded the Girl Scouts? The Ju- uh, Juliet Gordon Lowe. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Is she in your notes? <laughs> she's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's she. You know that she's not an important part of. Right. Uh, American Sign Language, just yeah. an important part of Girl Scouts. Right, but that's that's interesting that yeah. you would learn some signs yeah. when you're in Girl Scouts, too. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Um, so I uh, have a book that I've been reading. You do? I do. <laughs> and I just, I wanted to talk about, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the book that I'm reading, but I wanted to talk about rereading. Oh. And uh, you and I talked about rereading a little before uh, before we started the podcast, and, and you aren't a rereader. I, I'm really not. I'm a re-listener. Okay. I like to re-listen to audiobooks, but I'm not a re-reader. Yeah, I am a re-reader. So I'm re-reading something, so I can already recommend it, even though I'm only maybe five chapters Mm -hmm. in, because I've read it. I don't even know. I haven't counted. Um, But I love rereading. So here's, I'm going to tell you quick fire, three of my favorite (laughs) rereads. Harry Potter, the mm-hmm. whole series. Of course. I'll reread it over and over again. Uh, Flora and Ulysses, Aww. which I almost thought about recommending today because of how much I love it. It's by Kate DiCamillo, and it's about a girl and her superhero squirrel. And it's fun to listen to, and it's also fun to read because it has, like, pictures. It's great illustrations. Yeah. Yeah. 
And there's a Disney Plus movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I really like it. Um, and then, then the third one, which I'm going to actually tell you that I'm re-listening to. I'm actually listening to it this time right now, which is Little Women. Aww. So that's kind of an older book. So I think sometimes you might just disregard it because it's older. Right. But so I have a recommendation. This isn't the copy I'm reading. I'm reading the full title of Little Women right now or listening to. But at our library, we have these books. They're called The Great Illustrated Classics. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like a shortened version, abbreviated version of classics. And they have a picture on every page. Mm-hmm. And those are a really great way to read awesome stories with a little more easy to understand language because sometimes older books have hard language. They do. Because we we don't talk like that anymore. No, we don't. (laughs) It's like what you were saying with different communities using different sign language. Um, Our spoken language changes Mm -hmm. too. Yep. Um, Words that are in the dictionary. Right. Our parents would be like, what is that word? Right. And <laughs> so, when sign language started, we there are different words than we use today. Exactly. So there's different signs because exactly. we've had to make new signs for new words. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So one thing that makes me laugh when I'm listening to Little Women this time is the words that they say, oh, don't use slang words. <laughs> like the words that they are saying that are slang, like drat, like that. <laughs> Nobody says drat. And then no, that was a, a like a naughty slang word for them. That makes me laugh. I love to hear that. Um, But if you want to read a classic book that is um, a fun classic book, but maybe just a little easier to understand, check out those great illustrated classics. We have so many of them and we probably have a title that would interest you no matter what you're into because there's some like spooky, like Frankenstein, that's too scary for me. And (laughs) then there's, you know, one like Little Women's about four sisters. And I love that. I have sisters and I just, it reminds me of growing up with sisters and what that looks like and the the silliness. That's why I love it. Um, We have Robin Hood and adventure stories. So that's my recommendation for today is to check out those great illustrated classics. And I mean, I personally recommend Little Women. I've read it so many times. I I can't not recommend it. (laughs) It touches your heart, doesn't it? It does. And that's what it does for me. It's like something that I... I just love. And I think that's an important part about rereading is this is a familiar story that I love. And I was talking to you earlier about audiobooks I like to re-listen to because Mm -hmm. there are certain narrators that are just, maybe their voice is kind of soothing Mm -hmm. and it just helps me kind of relax. So um, I I get what you're saying. I like the way people speak and it can be yeah. relaxing. It can It's be. a comfort. It is a com- it, it is. And that's what it is for me. And you know what? I think that if you want to reread something that you've read, that's a great choice for you. It is. It's, yep. it's a good way to just get right into a book that you know you're going to like. And sometimes you notice things differently reading it at different times of your life even. Absolutely. That is really true. All right. Is that about it for today? That's it. Did you learn anything new today? I, I learned a lot of things, um, but I have my total favorite thing I learned is the little duck eggs <laughs> quacking, just little quacking duck eggs. It's a great visual. Oh, right there. It really is. That's my favorite thing I learned today. Um, I learned about 
lucky money today. Little red envelopes with money. Yeah. I think that is amazing. And I wish I got some lucky money too. That's an excellent gift. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's it for us today. We thank you for all of your amazing questions and helping us to learn more about our world too. For more info or to send us your own question, head to kdl.org forward slash stump. Tune into the next episode where we answer more of your questions. Huge and special thanks to KDL Programming Department, the KDL Marketing Department, and J.D. Delinsky for our intro and outro music. Bye. Goodbye.